You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. This week, an interview with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King in Kansas City, Missouri. We spoke with Mother about seven weeks ago, and in that time, just a couple things have changed as we record this introduction here on March 20th. Uh, and we released the podcast on the same day. Obviously, we are living in some uncertain times and times that are making uh, many faithful very anxious. Some places, churches aren't able to hold more than 10 or 50 people. Some places, the churches are even closed. And I just wanted to let you know from one layperson to another that the priests of the Society of St. Pius X are doing everything they can in order to balance their duty as a pastor, as a shepherd of a flock, in a sense, with prudence and with complying with the lawful authority. And so as time moves on and as we kind of find our footing through all of this, uh, please know that the priests are doing, again, like I said, the best that they can uh, and trying to make the best decisions for the good of the faithful and for the good of the entire community. That's why we are broadcasting the Mass live on on uh, YouTube. You can find a link for that at sspx.org. For those people who are not able to make it to Mass, I know it's not the same, but at the very least you can uh, say the prayers along with, with the Mass, follow along in your Missal, and you can make a spiritual communion and unite yourself to the Mass that is happening at that moment. So you can find more information about that at sspx.org. Also, we're a couple days late in releasing this podcast. Normally we do them on Wednesdays, but we've been working on some different ways to get some sermons and some uh, maybe some daily devotions sent out. So we'll be working on those as the time goes goes along as well. Hopefully this is just a blip in the radar. Hopefully this is just a short-term thing, but we'll see what happens with God's will. So with all that said, maybe this is a good opportunity to take a step back for 20 or 30 minutes and listen to this interview with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King. We talked a little bit about the history of this particular convent. We talked about its move from one place to another. We talked about their apostolate, specifically their teaching apostolate and how it is that the sisters can focus on this, but also focus on the interior life that is so essential for every religious. And we also talked about the joys and the difficulties that Mother Mary Joseph has faced uh, as being a Franciscan sister and as being uh, the head of a convent. Her answer about the greatest difficulty that she faces was beautiful and not at all what I was expecting. For more information about the Franciscan sisters, uh, we'll be talking about these links as well, but you can go to sspx.org slash Franciscan sisters. And if you are able to make a donation, I understand about the uncertain times, but even small donations can help with the Franciscan sisters. They still need, they still need to exist. They still need supplies. They still need basic necessities. So please visit sspx.gifts slash Franciscan sisters if you are able to help out at all. Longer introduction than normal. I hope you understand. But let's get right to the interview with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King. Well, we are speaking with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King in Kansas City, Missouri. She is the Mother Superior of that convent. And, and Mother, it's, it is a great joy to have you with us today. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you very much for asking me to take the time. I'm glad to be here. Of course. Well, we have a you know quite a few questions to get to but uh, i figured it, you know when we speak with with different you know religious orders or or convents or monasteries it's it's always best just to start from the beginning so let's start with the franciscan sisters uh, as a whole mother uh, what are the franciscan sisters in in a broad mm-hmm. term um, i know we all know that you know saint francis of assisi and and you know the saint claire um but what is it that that is that is your mission? Uh, are you different from the poor Clares, or is that just two different names for the same order? It is different from the poor Clares. Um, Franciscan sisters 
are sisters who are under simple vows, and poor Claire's are nuns under solemn vows. And so there okay. is a, a difference. Um, before Vatican II, there were over 40 different communities of Franciscan sisters in the United States alone. Now, in the United States, in tradition, there is one community of Franciscan sisters, oh, wow. and that is our community. And so the Franciscan sisters were definitely a, a big part of Catholic education in the in the United States as well as in Europe. Um, also a, a big part of social work and hospital work. Uh, you name the apostolate, Franciscan sisters were involved, but in a variety of different communities. Each community has its own constitutions which provide for the various uh, apostolates. And so ours our apostolate is mainly teaching. Oh, very interesting. So uh, in, in terms of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King, uh, your your mission is teaching, but that could be different uh, from any other order, or I guess looking backwards in the past, there there were many different orders today. There's there's one, yourselves, at least that are traditional in the United States. Um, right. But imagining there were 20 or 30 others, uh, each, each convent could be uh, slightly different, have a different um, emphasis in, in, in what they do. That's correct. And, and the various communities all follow the same, they all did follow the same 1927 rule, um, which was put together by Pope Pius XI, an update, so to speak, in 1927 of the, the Franciscan rule for third order regulars, which means that we are under vows, simple vows. It was a rule that was intended for brothers as well, and there were a number, I'm not sure how many, but how many communities of brothers. But that grew out of the Franciscan seculars in history as the Franciscan secular community people formed into communities over time. And those communities needed a rule for people who were living under vows. And so eventually that's how that developed. That's very interesting. Now, to go into your community specifically, uh, Mother, um, there's a, we have a page on, on the website of the Society of St. Pius X. It's sspx.org slash Franciscan Sisters. Uh, and there's uh, full information about, about, the, uh, about your community there. Um, but I wanted to speak a little bit about the, the foundation of, of your community. Um, it was founded by Father Eugene Height. Uh, and this was, this was back in Oregon. Uh, was this a... An idea to take the Franciscan uh, communities and and the the rule the order of, of old uh, you know before Vatican II and and put some more <laughs> put some more life into it and and keep that tradition alive was that the reason why why your community was founded Mother uh, he saw the need for teaching sisters in tradition who did not run boarding schools but who were willing to go to the various society schools Society of Saint Pius X schools um, in order to staff help to staff those schools and. Um, he had looked at a variety of rules of different teaching sisters, different teaching communities, of which, of course, there were many before Vatican II, um, sisters who taught. And he concluded that the Franciscan rule was the, the most practical. But he himself at first did not intend to found the community. He was hoping that one of the society priests would found the community. And mm -hmm. when the district superior of the society told him no, we can't. We don't have time. You will have to do it. If anyone does it, it will be you. He took mm -hmm. that to be the voice of God and the will of God. Mm -hmm. 
and he made arrangements to try to start to found this community with the help of a Franciscan sister who was in tradition, who was retired, and began really with with almost nothing, with almost nobody. And it, wow, and it has since it has since grown. But the the whole point of it was was to help the society schools. And so she had been Sister Herlinda. Um, she had been a a Franciscan sister for for quite a long time. It says here on the site that she pronounced her perpetual vows in 1933. Uh, That's correct. And so yes. she she was in retirement. And how old was she uh, roughly when when she was asked to uh, help start this this whole new community? She was in her late eighties. Oh goodness, <laughs> she she had probably more energy than I do. <laughs> well, she was an amazing an amazing woman, and yeah. Father Height asked the various chapels in Oregon that he was serving to pray to help him find a sister who knew how to pray. He said, "I uh, don't care if she comes rolling down the driveway in a wheelchair, as long as she knows how to pray." And yes. he was put in touch with Mother Helinda by Father Carl Pulvermacher, who for a long time was the editor of the Angelus magazine. And Father yes. Carl met Sister Helinda and knew her pretty well, and he said she's one of the finest sisters I've ever known. And so he put Father Hyde in touch with her, and at first she said no. She said, I'm too old, I, I don't have that much to offer. But Father Height talked to her, and Father Carl talked to her, and they, they told her, well, God writes straight with crooked lines, so you mm-hmm. do have a lot to offer. Please come. She said, well, it does not matter where I die. I can die in Oregon just as well as in Dickinson, Texas, and so I will come. <laughs> and she did. She came, and she was with us until 2006. That's amazing. She so was in, amazing. In those, early, in, in those early days, there was a, it sounds like it, it was started in a small mobile home, uh, the, the community was, the convent essentially, uh, in, in Oregon. And uh, very shortly thereafter, there was, um, there, there was the move to Kansas City. Uh, I, I've never, never, never visited uh, the building, the, the convent mother, but just looking at pictures and, and so forth, it seems like an, an amazing building with some history. How did that become available to the Franciscan sisters? It was an empty convent building. We had outgrown. We we started in a little farmhouse, and then some of the sisters were, were living in a mobile home adjacent to the farmhouse, and uh, and had moved. Some of us had moved to yet another farmhouse, so we were in three different facilities out in Oregon, within a mile of each other. Um, but coming together, it was not the best arrangement for community life. Sure. And so uh, Father Height was on the lookout for a convent in the Kansas City area because he felt that we should be under the wing of the Society of St. Pius X near the district house. So he asked some people in Kansas City to start looking, and this empty convent building just sitting there, uh, not being used by anyone for anything, there it was for sale. And so that's how that's how we found it. Some parishioners at St. Vincent de Paul here in Kansas City found it for us. And wow. then we had to decide whether we could buy it or not. Sure. And and how did how did that go? I mean, I'm sorry if that's a, a probing question, mother, but uh, you <laughs> know, the Franciscan sisters from what I understand it you you, you take a vow of poverty. So that's was correct. it was it all benefactors? Was how did that happen? It was from benefactors. We were able to put out, to raise enough money to put out a letter of appeal. 
And it was a big risk. We didn't know if we would be able to do it or not. We raised enough money initially to establish a, a, a down payment on the asking price. And it was a small down payment, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, over time, we made payments. And uh, due to the generosity of benefactors, we have been able to pay the building off completely. And oh, wow. we continue to, we, in fact, we paid it off fairly quickly, in fact. Now the, now the challenge, is, of course, is maintenance. Sure. We found, looking at the cost of things, that either to, to build would have cost us more than it has been to buy. And so maintenance is, is really the challenge now. Absolutely. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, towards, towards a, a later point, towards the end here, Mother. We, there's definitely some campaigns that, that you're working on and, you know, trying to get heat in the convent and things like that. But, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, you know, speaking again on, on the vow of poverty, is it similar what the Franciscan sisters, uh, take that the vow where, uh, everything is shared within the community, uh, even down to you know the your habits or you know the the tables, the chairs, everything is is it all a, a community community way of life in that sense? That is correct. Yes, sisters take a vow of a simple vow of poverty, which means that technically they're allowed to keep property that they own or money that they own, but they're not allowed to use it. So they mm. have to designate a uh, an administrator and decide what happens to anything that they do own, um, and then they have to make out a will to decide what happens to that property or or funds, whatever it may be, when they die. But they're not allowed to use it. Wow. They, they can give it to the community if they choose to do so, but in no way are they asked to do that ever. And so that's their personal business that they have to arrange um, with outsiders, either parents or relatives, a lawyer, someone else. Um, that's the difference between a, the simple vow of poverty and the solemn vow. Solemn vow, you give up all ownership. So, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different than the solemn vow, but in, a, in its effects, it's the same. We, we uh, live in communities, so we do own everything collectively that we use here, and we rely 100% on donations. Um, we don't make money as a as individuals we um if somebody were to have an income they would have to designate an administrator to take care of that income for them and again as i say they before they take vows they can ask that that money go to the community but after they take vows they cannot change that to benefit the community at all it's very interesting. So, so do you do you produce anything or, or do anything as a self-supporting measure? Do you produce wine or, or chocolates or something and, and sell them, <laughs> or or do you rely uh, entirely on on the goodness of of other people to uh, provide for your monetary needs? I, I'm sure you you know produce things or you know for yourselves to use, but you don't sell anything. Um, the only time we sell anything, we have little craft items, Christmas decorations, and things of that sort, plaques. Um, knitted sweaters and caps and things of that nature. We sell them at uh, ordinations. We sell them at, at a Christmas bazaar that we have here at St. Vincent's. We sell them at the um, Angelus Press Conferences. Those kinds of, they're little though. It's not enough to finance our, our needs. We do rely entirely on donations from benefactors and Certainly. people who are interested in helping Further, the cause of Catholic education in particular. 
Oh, that's wonderful. And let's, you know, speaking of St. Vincent's, where you where you sell some of the, some of the items and have the, the craft fair that you mentioned about Mother, you, you travel to St. Vincent's Academy there in Kansas City to teach. I've always been struck by how difficult that must be for, uh, you know, someone in the, in the religious vocation. You know, it's, it's a semi-contemplative life, I, I assume, Mother, where, you know, much of the day is spent in prayer and, and meditation, but then you need to go out in the world Again, it's it's right to the academy. It's not like you're walking down Main Street, but still, it's it's outside of the convent. How do how do the sisters balance? How do you balance, you know, being out in the world and and doing this vocation of of teaching with the the contemplative life? That is a really good question, and it is a balance. We work really hard at maintaining that balance by putting the emphasis on the prayer life first. Our sisters are all part-time teachers rather than full-time, and that enables us to maintain the prayer life. As I say, we put that first because the apostolate is a flowering of the prayer life. It is the result of a good prayer life. And so if we were to put teaching first, we would not be good religious. And in order to be a truly good teacher of religion in particular, we have to put our religious life first. So the sisters, some of them teach only three days, two or three days a week, and some teach half days. But in any case, their their prayer life is maintained and protected. And and what a blessing for the for the students to have teachers who are rooted in that that prayer life. That's 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 amazing. I was thinking about the the growth of your community, and it sounds like it has been expanding over the years. Uh, my first question is is how many. How many do you have in your convent right now? And and is there a certain, and the second question then, Mother, would be, what is the kind of right, quote-unquote, candidate, uh, a, a young girl, a young lady who would be interested in the Franciscan sisters? Are there any specific qualities that are better than others, or is there a specific type of young lady that you're looking for? Uh, we have grown gradually, slow, but slowly but surely. Um, we have 14 sisters altogether, including one postulant and one novice at the time at this time. As far as types of people, every type. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. one type. Uh, we're not cookie cutter sisters. We have every temperament <laughs> there is, every personality, quiet, loud, <laughs> um, humorous, serious, y- you name it. We've got them represented. It takes oh, all great. kinds. It takes a, it takes all kinds of people to make a good, healthy community. And I think that, um, Qualities, uh, average intelligence and interest in, in children and in education, a willingness to learn, a certain docility, an ability to get along with people in community life. Those, those mm-hmm. qualities all help. We, we ask that the young ladies be at least graduates of high school or the equivalent. And if they have a, a little bit of college under their belt, that's, that is an asset, but it's not required. And, and may I ask, Mother, how long, how long have you been in the Franciscan order? I joined at the very beginning of the community. So back in 2002, about 18 years or so. It was, it was uh, actually the year 2000. We were founded on February 2nd uh, in the year 2000. Oh, and right. Then Sorry, we, that 2002 is when you moved. That, that's right. In November of 2002, we came to Kansas City. Wow. Well, so you, you have 20 years <laughs> under your belt, and, and congratulations on, on, on that, Mother. I wanted to ask if, if I could, if you're, you'd be willing to share some of the joys, 
some of the challenges that, that you faced over the, over the last 20 years, um, whether it's particular to, you know, the building in, in Kansas city or, you know, maybe a, a, ch- a challenge of, you know, living in community. It's, I'm sure it can be difficult again, you know, living with, with people day in, day out, there may be some frustrations, but w- what are some of the challenges that, that you have faced mother in, in your vocation and maybe some of the joys? I think it may surprise you to hear that one of our challenges, one of my personal challenges is to make St. Francis better known. He is mm. a truly misunderstood saint in our day. So many, even good traditional Catholics think of him as a garden art statue and that that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't realize his devotion to the Blessed Sacrament was was profound and unique in his day as well. And his devotion to the priesthood, so much so that he refused to become a priest because he felt himself so unworthy of the priesthood. And those those two uh, qualities of his spirituality are so important for us, um, so important in our day. And that it made me very happy to know that Father Height was choosing the Franciscan rule because of those qualities that St. Francis embodied, which nobody seems to know about. And to, to make that known, to make that understood again, I think is, uh, has, that truly has been a challenge. People don't take St. Francis very seriously, it seems. And so to, to overcome that is a challenge. Uh, obviously the, you know, community life can be a challenge, but that's just normal in, in any community. Um, any group of people living together have to work at it. And the grace of sure. God is, uh, uh, the integral part of that. A group of women living together, Father Height used to say that it takes a triple miracle of grace for that to work. <laughs> and, and we find that that's probably true. Um, but God works those miracles and, and we do, uh, live very joyfully in community. We have our differences of opinion sometimes, but they're never very serious and we always, come out at the end with a, a amicable conclusion to whatever the issue may be. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I, I had a, a quick follow-up on a uh, part you mentioned about St. Francis. If if people wanted to learn more about St. Francis, um, you know, again, besides the glossy children's book that you often see in the in the bookstores around, is there a book that, that you might recommend, Mother, for someone who wanted to take a serious look at the at the life of, of St. Francis and, and learn more about him in reality instead of, like you said, the the garden statue variety that we know. Right. There's a very good book called The Peace of St. Francis, which gives a great deal of history. I don't know the author off the top of my head. There's another one sure. by Father Chalipe, which is called St. Francis of Assisi. It's an older book, but it's out there, and it's not that hard to get your hands on. Those are two very very good books. Some books that currently in print are, are a little bit, um, they're a little bit, uh, sometimes the history is not as accurate as you would want. Mm-hmm. But those two I think I can recommend. That's wonderful. I'll, I'll find some some links to to those books and I'll put them here in the notes so that people can find them who are listening to this podcast and, and hopefully learn some more about St. Francis. So let's get to, let's get down to the, uh, the nitty gritty and, and uh, <laughs> I know that uh, I, I don't. I don't know about you, mother, but for me, it's sometimes difficult to ask for money. Uh, but you need it. We know. We all know that you need it. And, and let's talk a little bit about the needs that you have. I know that there are a few projects you have going on that you have 
I don't want to say a desperate need for, but probably pretty close to desperate. Uh, a new boiler for the for the convent, a new driveway. Uh, what do you need? You're you're right. It's hard to ask for money, but Franciscans are mendicants. We must beg. That's part of our mm-hmm. heritage and tradition, and also necessity because um, the teaching that we do. Obviously, the parish helps us out as best they can, but it's it's not enough to keep this place going. We are currently working on getting our boiler system fine-tuned. It's uh, It's been quite a challenge over the years. Some of it was installed incorrectly at the beginning, and so we're trying to correct some of those mistakes. And as as time goes by, we've made progress, and and it's much more efficient than it used to be, but it's still not where it should be at all. And so um, one of our sisters is is very good at figuring these things out and communicating with various um, engineers and working gradually to get these things fixed. And so yes, that is a that is a a, a dire need. We don't heat for comfort. We heat to keep the pipes in this building from freezing and to mm. maintain a certain level of well being for the sisters so that we're not getting sick. But um, some of the workers that were here yesterday actually asked us if our if our heat, heat was on, and it is, and it is where it is where we keep it. Um, it's rather chilly, so we're not asking for luxury, but we we do need to maintain it. We we want to keep the pipes from freezing and want to keep the sisters well. So uh, it is a it is a, a true need, and it is a, a several thousand dollar need. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's. Um, enough that it's a challenge to raise the money that we need. Well, you can find more information if, if you're listening to uh, help the sisters with, with this project. And, and there are a couple others, but you can go to sspx.org slash Franciscan sisters. Or if you want to go directly to the donation site, it's sspx.gifts slash Franciscan sisters. Uh, and you also have a, a driveway that needs to be replaced in, in, in an email that uh, I was talking with Sister Mary Claire about it. I think she mentioned something about the potholes were almost big enough to swallow a car at times. And <laughs> that, I was, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I have to admit, Mother, I was kind of giggling, uh, imagining some of the sisters driving back from St. Vincent's and just <laughs> bouncing around in the car. But I, I'm sorry. I'm sure it's uncomfortable <laughs> as heck and, and uh, ruining the car. But that that is a need. Yes, we do have a need for the driveway to be fixed. It, it does have quite a number of potholes. And they are, uh, um, at one time, there was a hole in the driveway big enough for a car. Uh, that, that has been glossed over, so to speak. I think, I think they rather fixed that, but, but the potholes are bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's the only way in to the property. Um, and so we, we, we have to have it done. We have the offer of, uh, free labor by some men who are experts, but of course we have to provide for the materials. Um, we can get the materials at cost, which is a, a, a real boon, but still it's it's going to cost us quite a bit of money just to pay for it at cost. Um, and then when spring comes, hopefully we'll be able to get this, get this, uh, we can't, obviously we can't do it now, it's winter, but in the spring, um, we're hoping to raise enough money to get this project accomplished as well. Hopefully our, our listeners will help out a little bit, uh, Mother. There's there's always, instead of maybe looking for that one magic benefactor, maybe 
50, 100 people could pitch in and, and help just a little bit. And uh, that would be just as good as that one that one big fish, so to speak. Abs- so I hope we absolutely. can help in, in a little way. That's true. The small um, donations build up. And yes. no donation is too small. God looks at those donations very favorably, um, and we do too. We're, we're not uh, we're not looking necessarily for one big benefactor, although we wouldn't turn him down if he turned up. But we certainly uh, we have as a great an appreciation for the small benefactors as we do for the large ones because we know that many organizations are asking for money from the same people. Sure. And it's not sure. easy to support everyone. But if if everybody that uh, knows about us pitches in just a little bit, we can accomplish what we need to do. We can accomplish great things, absolutely. Well, Mother, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. I know it must be <laughs> you are... Uh, you, you are a Franciscan sister. You are basically an administrator of, of a huge complex, a convent. You overseeing the, the education of many children. So you, you wear many, many hats uh, on your habit, I guess I could say, Mother. Uh, and I thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. It was, it was really wonderful for me to, to learn more about what you do. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. And God bless all the listeners, everyone who who loves the church, is bound to love St. Francis the Catholic. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mother. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the SSPX podcast. Again, if you'd like more information about the Franciscan Sisters, you can visit sspx.org slash Franciscan Sisters. If you are at all able to donate, please consider a donation on behalf of the Franciscan Sisters. Go to sspx.gifts slash Franciscan Sisters. Again, these sisters are a mendicant order, which means they rely entirely on the generosity of us, of lay people, in order to survive. If you think back to the time of St. Francis walking and, and begging you know, for food and for supplies and, and stones to build his church, uh, the Franciscan sisters today are no different, except now they can accept online donations. So please do consider an online donation of some, some way uh, in order to help them. sspx.gifts slash Franciscan sisters. We're not asking for any donations for the podcast this week, hoping that you will divert some to the Franciscan sisters instead of us this week. As always, you're welcome to subscribe to the SSPX podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. We have parish missions coming up for Passion Week and Holy Week. Those will be delivered directly to your podcast app if you subscribe now for more information on that. If you're not sure how that all works. Well, we have it laid out very simply for you at sspxpodcast.com. So please consider checking that out and please consider also rating and uh, leaving a review on the SSPX podcast. That's the way that people find out about the work that we are doing. So please consider leaving a a rating on your podcast app or program, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Pocket Casts or any of the other programs that you use. And leaving a rating also helps. The more ratings, the more reviews, the higher we climb in the podcast feeds for more people to be able to discover the truth and the beauty of traditional Catholicism. Until next week, thank you for listening and God bless you.